Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Anyway, now we're in Joshua 12 and 7. The king's conquered by Joshua. Now this is a list, and you're going to see it, name a king, and then it's going to say one. So what we're doing is we're keeping up with a count here, is why it says one, every time it says one. And these are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side of the Jordan on the west. Now I want to stop here for a second real quick, because I see something cool. These are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side of the Jordan on the west. I like how we get a perspective here of location in the text, a perspective of location, where I love it how he says, and these are the kings that were on this side. You hear how he's he's saying it? These are the kings that were on this side, on the west. He's saying like, look where I am. I'm on the west over here. Can you all hear that? It's like, yeah, we got it. He's on the west side of the Jordan, and he's writing this after Israel already conquered the kings. You know, you see those guys make a touchdown, and they get in, and they slam the ball down, and they do that, they do that little thing they do, whatever, they churn the butter or whatever, they do that little, here I am, I'm on this side, I did it, I'm over here, got you. It's kind of what I'm seeing him saying over here. He goes, these are the kings of the country with which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side. And he didn't just say this side. He said, oh yeah, on the west. This side on the west. We in the house. (laughs) I just read that and I just got all lit up. I was so excited to read that. I could just, maybe he wasn't the best in his description, but I I get it from him. I, I get his excitement from him. On this side, on the west side. It, it, it's it's exciting, but so what I want to want us to take from this real quick is that if you're saved in Jesus, let your life have expression. Let your life have expression. You, you know when you text people and it, it's hard to get the express, expression and things are missed. You know I got his expression from this because he gave us two things. He goes from this side of the Jordan, the West. Uh, you know, try to get in the story with these guys and understand where they're coming from. Let your life have expression, especially that when God promised you eternal life and that God can deliver. God promised the people, I'm going to get you in this land, and he delivered because we see the author say, on this side, on the west, he's expressing the promise of God fulfilled. We can live our life the same way. Express your life demonstrating the promises of God fulfilled in your life. Don't keep it private. God does a great thing in your life. Get out there and tell everybody about it. Sling it all over the place like mud. Show them how great God is. And that's what I think this guy's doing here. Let people know where you are. Don't live a ho-hum life of just blah. Well, I'm saved. I'm in Jesus. I gave my life to the Lord a long time ago. Eh. 
Get excited. Express it. Let people see it. Let people know. Let people know that Jesus is actually fun. There's nothing worse than the Christians that, yeah, I'm saved. I'm saved. Whatever. And they have the most boring look on their face. And they go, you want Jesus too? I'm sorry, if I was the unbeliever, and I was at the time, I'd say no. I want excitement. I get more excitement from my beer parties. I get more excitement from all the things I do. Why do I want to get bored in your Jesus like you seem to be? Express it. Jesus is not boring. He's the best party that there ever is going to be, and it's going to be eternal. Let people know how excited you are. And I could see this guy's expression. He is expressing that when God offers a promise, God can deliver. I'm on this side of Jordan on the west. (laughs) I gave my life to Jesus. I'm on this side of life. I'm saved. See what I mean? Give some expression to that. Something like that in the text is easy to miss. But man, just dive in. When God promises something, He makes it happen. He makes it happen. He delivers. He delivered for Israel. He'll deliver for you. How? Acts 2.21 says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord might be saved. Tommy loves it when I do that, I think. What does it say? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You will be saved. I'm on this side. Can you hear it? (laughs) Be excited that God is a deliverer of promises. Aren't you glad we serve a God that can pull it off? Aren't you glad? He can actually do it. So read with me again. Let's try to pull the expression out of victory from the author. Joshua 7 and 24, uh, seven through 24. We're going to do a big chunk. These are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side of the Jordan, on the west, from Baal, Gad, in the valley of Lebanon, as far as Mount Halak, and the ascent to Seir, which Joshua gave to the tribes of Israel as a possession according to their divisions, in the mountain country, in the lowlands, in the Jordan plain, in the slopes, in the wilderness, and in the south, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The king of Jericho won. We're keeping a list, remember. The king of Jericho won. The king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, won. The king of Jerusalem, one. The king of Hebron, one. The king of Jarmuth, one. The king of Lachish, one. Is this tally building up? Look how successful this is. Get excited. God let them take all these guys over. Verse 11 again. The the king of Jarmuth, one. The king of Lachish, one. The king of Eglon, one. The king of Gezer, one. The king of Debir, one. The king of uh, Jeder, I guess, one. The king of Hormah, one. The king of Arad won. I know, Ray, you actually going to read all this? Yes, I am. It's the word of God. Verse 15, the king of Libna won. The king of Adullam won. The king of Mechida won. The king of Bethel won. Guys, I know this seems repetitive, but this is victory after victory after victory after victory after victory. And the more conquerors we hear, the more excited we should be. The king, uh, verse 17, the king of Tapua won. The king of Hefer won. The king of Aphek won. The king of Lesharon won. The king of Madon won. The king of Hazar won. The king of Shimron, Miron won. The king of Akshef won. The king of Tanakh won. The king of Megiddo won. The king of Kadesh won. The king of Joknam and Carmel won. The king of Dor and the heights of Dor won. The king of the people of Gilgal won. The king of Terza won. All the kings, 30 
31. 31. <laughs> you imagine what Joshua would have thought? He said, okay, when y'all go in, <clears throat> you're going to have 31 kings and kingdoms and armies to take down. You're going to have 31. Did he tell him that? No. Why? It's probably best we don't know what's coming. Because we probably lay down and say, oh, forget it. It can't happen. You know, you got things coming. You got things coming. And you know you do. Aren't you glad God doesn't tell you what it is? It's best that we don't know. Because he expects you to face it and trust with him that it's going to get taken care of. Well, this is now after the fact. It's done. And now we get to see that there are 31 kings. And remember, each king had an army. And each king also had maybe probably a city. There's a lot going on here. It's 31. 31 of them. Now, the first section listed 16 kings of the southern area because Joshua came up and conquered from the south first. And then it lists 15 who were in the northern area. Now, something interesting here is that these 31 kings reigned over an area that's 150 miles long, north to south, and about 50 miles wide. So you got a long group, 150 by about 50 miles wide. And that little bit of land occupied 31 kings. 150 by 50, 31 kings. That sounds like a lot of kings in a small area, but at that time, kings ruled over what was like city-states. And it would be as if, say, Pearland had a king, and Alvin had a king, and Friendswood had a king. It was kind of like that. It's kind of the way it was set up. And each king only had authority in his own territory. The king of Alvin didn't have authority in the king of Friendswood. Uh, the king of Lachish didn't have authority in an, another king's territory. So you got this little dotted up area of land divided into 31 pieces, which indicates something important. I noticed that this indicates. There was no centralized government and there was no centralized army over the whole region. What does this tell you? It tells you it's fragmented. Remember, all the tribes, I know y'all get to settle over on the east. I know this is your part on the east, but you're all coming in united with your brothers to finish the whole land together. So those two and a half tribes, they didn't get to sit down. No, you're going to stay united. So you got to realize there's a united Israel going in against a fragmented country. Very important. Keep a hold of that. Had there been one single authority that covered the entire land, then there would have been a unified military force across the entire land. They would have been equipped the same across the board. They would have been trained across the board. They would have known how to fight together. Whether you're from over here or over there, we would know how to coordinate. They would have been able to work together. They didn't have that because they were, it was fragmented. It was fragmented. What we should be able to see from this list of 31 different kings with 31 different armies is that long before Israel ever got to the land, God set the stage for their victory by fragmenting their enemy into pieces. You see what's going on here? The enemy is busted all up into a bunch of pieces before they ever showed up. (laughs) Guys, when I come to my trials, and along with all of you in the body of Christ, we stay united together. You know what? I don't care how big that enemy looks. If we're together, they don't stand a chance. You hear it? They don't stand a chance. We're one little church. Oh, we've taken on all this big stuff. Hey, the enemy can't never get it together. In the body of Christ, we can have some confidence in that. Okay? 
The curse of Canaan that was upon Israel's enemy back from Noah's day, it kept there from being any one force that could unite itself to be able to take Israel on. You military strategists, you know what I'm talking about. I know about this story of Joshua. This is the biggest military series of victories that's ever been recorded. This is a good time. And so we got to see the victory that happens when a unified force fights as one And we got to see the failure and destruction of a divided force that fights in fragments. Unified you win, fragmented you fall. What this story really emphasizes is that we, we must never underestimate the absolute necessity of unity in the body of Christ. Unity, unity, unity. All of us together. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. According to this, we're supposed to be unified together in the body of Christ. We're to be saying the same things, doing the same things, and thinking the same things as believers. As believers. Well, Ray, everybody's different. We're not always going to agree on everything. Really? I know. But what does the Bible tell us we're supposed to do? It tells us that we're supposed to agree. Well, Ray, we're not always going to agree. The Bible tells us to agree. Well, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't work. The Bible says we're supposed to do it. This is America. We fight about everything. I saw somebody on Facebook the other day say, man, what a wonderful day. And somebody got in an argument about it. Oh my gosh, are you for real? We're, we're training our youth. We're, tra- we're, we're being conditioned to fight about absolutely everything. And it does, it's ungodly. It's against what God commands His people to be doing. We're supposed to agree. Those that hang on to the we're not always going to agree thing, those are the people that refuse to fully integrate into the body of Christ to the level that this verse demands of us. This, this verse tells us, here's the level to which you need to be in the body of Christ. Here's how deep it should be. Well, we're not always going to agree on everything. I don't, you know, I, I'm a, you're a Republican, I'm a Democrat. I, I'm not, uh, hey, trash it. We have to agree. The Bible says to. We have to agree. If you recall, there was the whole congregation of Israel. They had a disagreement with the elders over the Gibeonites getting under that covenant with them. Remember, because the Gibeonites tricked them. They said, no, 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 no. Here's a disagreement. We need, no, we need to let them Gibeonites go. We can't, we can't hold a covenant with them. And, and the leadership said, we gave our word. We gave our word, a covenant with the Gibeonites. We're going to honor it. And then that's the last you heard about it. I didn't hear another whole two, three, four, ten chapters of arguing. Apparently, they said, well, okay, we got to get over it. And they, they got over it. Apparently, the disagreement was dealt with pretty quick. And then on they went to the next conquest. There's bigger fish to fry. You see, Israel understood the severity, the importance of the warfare that they were into. And there was no time for letting disagreements stop the momentum. Disagreement will stop your momentum. It will stop you cold. Oh, praise Jesus. I'm a Christian. Hallelujah. But you're going to be fighting and debating with everybody about everything. You are stopped. You're not moving. And you're going to get run over. Keep the momentum going. If it, there's been times I've had to bite my tongue. If you have to bite your tongue, do it. 
Stay in agreement. It's better to find the things to agree on than the things to disagree on. Israel was ready. I mean, gosh, they were ready to live in God's peace. They didn't want to keep hanging around in the wilderness anymore. They were tired of it. They had been slaves for over 400 years. We're at the land. God's going to give us rest. They wanted it. They really desired it. They wanted to build new homes and get on with a real life in their own land. Now, friends, I'm the same way. I don't want petty debates of our times getting in the way of us moving forward towards the promises of God. I want to live a real life in Jesus. My old life wore me out, and I'm done with it. I'm going to live in agreement with the body of Christ because I want the promises and blessings of God. That's what I want. So the Israelites, they didn't want this argument to keep going. They just, let's let's move on, they said. Arguments will fragment us up. Debates, this way, that way, I don't see it like you. And then we go to war. It fragments us up. And there just isn't room for it in my life, nor in this church. Now, we're not always going to agree on everything, but we are always going to resolve the disagreements quickly and move on. That's very important. That is godly commanded biblical important. We need to be thinking the same things in unity and same mind and thought. We need to be thinking the same things, saying the same things, and doing the same things together. That's how Israel got it done. The northern alliance of kings that banded together to fight Israel, yes, they did form an alliance. Guys, come on, let's all go. Yeah, come on, let's go. But it was a quick, slap-together force that had no idea how to fight alongside the next group. A quick slap-together doesn't pull it off. That doesn't have depth to it. Although they were together, they were fragmented. They were not unified in speech, mind, and judgment like Israel was, like God's Word commands us to be. We as a church, we need to be so unified together that we really know each other in fellowship. Otherwise, every Sunday that we meet here, all we're doing is a quick slap together assembly. And it doesn't work. It'll fall easy. We don't want to be a slap together assembly because then we'll be plagued with many fragments. And when we're fragmented with division, we're unable to take a solid stand against our enemy. And unity is very serious. Apparently, we can see that. It's for your benefit as much as it is mine. This isn't just for me, it's for you. And that's why the author begs us. If you see what he just said, he is literally begging us. He says, now I plead with you. I plead with you. Please. He says, by the name of our Lord Jesus, that there be no divisions, that you be perfectly joined together, same mind, judgment, and thought. You know, we're thick-headed, and I'm probably the worst one in the room (laughs) when it comes to being hard to get through to sometimes. We just are that way. We're we're people. But we also have God's commandment that we can follow, and that the author has to beg us to get in agreement with each other to this level means he's really trying to emphasize it. He's really trying to crack through some thick skulls like mine. (laughs) But the reason he's being so hard about it is because it is so blessed a place to be. If we have disagreements here, okay, but let's deal with them quickly because obedience to God is the priority. Not arguing your point. The obedience to God is the priority. 
Can you imagine if a bunch of Israelites insisted on arguing about that covenant with the Gibeonites? All right, guys, let's go do the next one. No, no, get back over here. I ain't done talking about them Gibeonites yet. I still ain't happy about that. We ain't got no time for it. We got to get through and sweep the land. We got to get done. Come on. I can imagine behind the scenes, there's a lot of things got done about them Gibeonites, and they're probably glad they did it because they were successful. If they stayed behind saying, I insist on arguing, it would cause the whole congregation to weaken, and then they would fall to the enemy. I don't want to fall to the enemy. Have you had enough of letting the enemy have his way with you? Then it's time to integrate into the body of Christ and put the petty stuff behind. The enemy, as long as he keeps you arguing, he's like, I got you. I got you you to the end. I own you. But if you say, I'm done with the arguments, I'm going to unite in the body of Christ. Even and especially that one guy that I just can't stand, I'm going to be best friends with him. Because the enemy hates that and he can't get a hold of you there. Very important. I don't want my trials to run me over, neither do you. So let's be in agreement. Let's find the things we can agree on. Let me pose one thing up front real quick. Can we agree on the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and He died on the cross for our sins? Can we agree on that? Then work from that. Well, I got all these little things. I got a, hash, I got a bone to pick with you, Ray. I, let's start with Jesus first and work from there. Let's start with Jesus first. First, Jesus had a bone to pick with us. What did he do about it? He came and died and forgave us. Okay, well, how's about we follow that same line of thinking? Uh, Isn't it nice when we start from agreement instead of disagreement? America is tainted with debate. Let's don't be like that. Most people like to concentrate on disagreement and toss out the things they agree on. I say we obey God's word and concentrate on the things we can agree on and toss out the disagreement. Let's turn it around. We're supposed to be at war with the enemy, not with each other. And this is a picture depicted when Israel went in to take on these forces in their land. Uh, So you may be wondering... How are we supposed to deal with this? How do, we, how do we do this? How do we, if we're not in the agreement like we should, how do we get there? Colossians 3 and 13 says we are to be bearing with one another. That means deal with me a little bit, okay? <laughs> bear with me. You ever hear somebody, just bear with me, okay? Bear with me. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Hey, I know you got to bear with me. I know there's little things about my character that just, 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 just push your buttons. I know it. Because you might have things like that that push mine. (laughs) I know it. I know I can be irritating sometimes. I'm just one of them kind of guys. But bear with me and forgive me. I'll forgive you. And if I did anything, let me know. I I don't want you to be at odds with me. So if I did something I'm not aware, don't go, well, that Ray did that. He didn't even know he did it. He's so ignorant. Tell me, okay? Let's follow this. Bear with me. If we fly off the handle... At every hiccup, forgiveness will never find its place. There's too much hateful grudges and bitterness that people have with each other, and they'll never experience the bond of perfection that brings unity and strength. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.